0: Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Today we're going to continue our series talking about faith and family. Uh, we talked about uh, the first week that we covered. If you, if you didn't get all of the series that we went through, the first, they're on our podcast just go to your podcast app and, and search Harvest Time Church, follow that link, and we have all of them uploaded. So the first week that we covered faith and family, we covered the concept of marriage, which is God's design. What is it from the Bible's perspective? And then we uh, we talked about the topic of parenting, how as, as a married couple, our parenting, we have to be in, on the same page. In our discipline, in our model, we need to be united. We can't be separated by our children, right, and divided because if a child can divide the mother and the father, they will make your life rough, right? They'll side with one or they'll side with the other. If you guys stay united, you'll be a lot more successful and your and your children will figure out that, man, I will not win this battle, okay? And then, uh, then that next week, we talked about faith and finance, how God has uh, asked us to be good stewards not just, uh, not. it's not just about giving the tithe, right? We talked about how it's being a good manager and a steward of all of our finances. You know, we learned to govern the 90% so that we can be blessed in giving the 10%, right? It was, it was a complete breakdown of kind of the finances in life and how it affects us and how it really affects every area of our life. So uh, if you weren't here, listen to that message. I really think that there's some, some nuggets in there that can really, really help you. Today, we're going to look at the, the, the battle in our homes as far as a social attack. That's going to be the title of the message if you want to, uh, what is we're focusing on, social attack. So today we're going to look at the social attack on our families. So let's look at the definition of the word social so we can understand what the definition is so you're not like social attack. What the heck is a social attack? Is that like a computer virus? You know, like when you think, like, if you don't know what the word means, so let's look at it. It says, social is a relation to society or its organization. So it has anything to do with society or how society functions, okay? So we're going to look at a few different topics in regards to the social attacks directly related to the family. Because if we understand the attacks against our family, we can be successful as parents and we can have successful families, but it's when we're naive or we don't understand what those attacks are that we don't guard ourselves and therefore the enemy just plows, plows through and busts us up, right? But if we know the plans of the enemy before he attacks, we can plan ahead of time, okay? So social attack is, is, is a war that's, that society is waging against our beliefs, our standards, our thought process, and ultimately our families, we have to understand the enemy of this world has a strategic plan to confuse us, to cloud our judgment, to program the way we think in a way that, is, it, that contradicts the Word of God. He is the author of confusion, okay? And that's not God's ultimate plan for, for families and for believers, He wants us understanding what the Word is and that we could discern things that are said by society, and we can discern those by the Word of God and have a wisdom and understanding of saying that is a lie, or yes, that's biblically supported, and vice versa, right, that we would know what truth is. Because when we know what truth is, what? Truth sets us free. If we believe a lie, we will be bound by that lie, and it'll cause all kinds of harm in our life, okay? So my children will grow up in a time when there is, a mo- there is more tolerance in a culture of accepting to many things contrary to the Word of God. I have to realize that. You know, if I look when I was young to where I am now, to where culture is going, I can guarantee you Samuel, Cassidy, Grace, when they grow to be my age, they're going to be living in a world that has more tolerance and is more accepting of things contrary to the Word of God. So my question for today is, how do we guard our families from the social attack against the enemy of this world? If we ask that question and we evaluate what the attack is, then we can, we can fight against the plan of the enemy, right? So the challenge is to, is to continually stay rooted in a biblical worldview. So what do, what do I mean when I say worldview? That is the basis for which you believe. What has established the way you think, the way you act, what your, your normal thought process is? Right? If we think God is as being a bad guy, then we're going to see everything bad that happens as God being the big bad guy in heaven who causes all these bad things to happen. Or if our perspective is God as a loving father that that has the whole world under control that even when those bad things happen, I re- remember that God is perfect, God is right and holy and just, and there's nothing that happens in this world apart from his sovereign judgment and therefore I'm okay with that because I have a good perspective of who God is rather than a distorted worldview that really has manipulated who God really is. And and that's what we see when we see these other worldviews that are not biblical worldviews. They're compromises in regards to who God is. It's an attack on His character. It's an attack on what the Bible says, and, and it contradicts who He is. But if we believe that lie, then we'll be acceptance of all of these areas of tolerance throughout the world. They say, oh, well, God loves everybody, so I can… They, he loves these people too, so I can… It justifies my actions. We live in a crazy world nowadays, okay, of tolerance, okay? So sometimes we'll compromise in order to accommodate whatever we want to do rather than living a life that is aligned with the Word of God. Have you ever done that? You've tried to change, well, maybe maybe God won't get that mad, but we do it because uh, we want to justify our actions. We want to say, well, I don't, ha- I don't have to change this sin habit. or I don't have to change this thing because God loves everybody. And I try to, you know, I try to reduce God down in human standards and say, well, God would love me anyway, and that's not how it, we can't do that. We we cannot reduce God to man's standards and think that that's okay. But we do it to justify our sinful nature or what we want to get away with. We manipulate the system to accommodate my sinful habits or my areas that I get hung up with or whatever. Okay? Even as Christians, you're hearing me? It's not just the world doing this. Christians justify, well... I'm going to marry the kid anyway, so why does it matter what I do before marriage? That sounds like a justifying statement to me, right? Rather than what God's word dictates. How do I know? Because I made that same assumption in my own life, right? You know, I'm, we have to understand the plan of the enemy, that he, that he is, is striving to manipulate the system and, and make sin seem okay. Okay. But when we look at God's standards versus, you know, the world standards, man, it's, it's two different playing fields. We have to know what the Word of God says and have a God-centered worldview. So we, today we must learn to stand on the Word of God and live a lifestyle that's supported and established by the Bible, okay? We live in a time where some children are, are, are growing up not knowing the things of God. The church has to be you know, the, the element that establishes biblical standards. And we have to be bolder and we have to be sure of our beliefs and we have to reinforce those in our children or we are going to fail. And we can't, we, can't, we can't avoid the hard topics. You know, I know Ms. Renee just went through a, a life group study that very few would venture to cover. I wasn't in some of the awkward ones, but I went in one and I was like, this is real. This is good stuff. This is stuff that we need to be discussing within the church. But we've made it to where, hey, we'll talk about certain things in the church, but we won't cover all of the things of life in church. But we need to make sure that we are. We're covering the basis for everything that we would have. We would cover all of the answers. And if our children ask us a hard question and we don't know, we just don't make it up or avoid it or say, "Oh, you're too young to know that." But we say, son, you know what? Let me get some help on that. Ah, I don't know what to tell you. Or let's, son, let's look what the Bible says. Or let's, you know, let me call my friend who will help me. And then we put them in the, in the awkward spot to help us, right? But we don't avoid those hard things. But we face them. And we deal with them. And we give our children biblical truth. If we're not proactive, there will be generations to come who will grow up in a godless generation. I believe it's already beginning to happen. But we will have godless generations within the United States. Yeah. Now I've heard of that in third world countries to where there's just, you know, God is not seen and you know, you know it's always, you know, and there's, there's even that argument right now that you know, in our constitution that you know, one nation under God and there's been statements made by people where the, where the United States is no longer a godly nation. You know, and that scares me. It's like, man, you know, how have we gotten so far from God's standard and one nation under one God? You know, because there's people that, you know, they use that word God loosely and my God or your God or his God or their God, not the one true God that sent his one and only son to die and pardon all my sins so that I might have eternal life. There's only one way to heaven and there's only one God. God. And all the ones that have chosen other gods, when they stand before the creator of the universe, their eyes are going to be about as wide as that little toy my daughter wanted when they say, this is not the God that I knew or that I believed in, but for the church to be bold and proclaim the goodness of the Lord so that all generations might know that there is a living God, at least in my lifetime. And then I pray to God that my children do the same thing so that my children's children don't grow up in a godless generation. But the church cannot be passive, okay? We have to be proactive. So today we're going to look at three areas where the enemy is attacking us socially. You know, it's so So we're going to break it down for a battle for our thoughts, a battle for our attention, and a battle for our homes, And as I go through this, I think we'll see each of us personally to some degree where each of us are kind of compromising or in the danger of these type of attacks. So the first first topic, battle for your thoughts. This comes from a compromising culture. So in essence, what does this mean? We're watering down the word of God and standards and deeming anything acceptable. That is what compromising culture focuses on. I'm going to read that one more time. In essence, this is the watering down of God's word and standards and deems anything acceptable, a compromising culture. So culture is continually compromising the word of God and communicating that everything is acceptable. And if it feels good, do it. You ever heard anybody say that? Oh, well, it just feels good. So do it. And then the consequences or the consequences for those actions come. Well, you said if it feels good, do it. Well, I said if it feels good, do it. I didn't say it was right. And I didn't count the cost. And we got to realize that all of these things that God has put in place, it's for our own protection. It wasn't because he's the bad guy that made all these legalistic rules and didn't want us to have any fun. But he knew that sinful habits or making wrong choices have consequences and those consequences can drastically shape the way your life is. But we gotta see God as a God who loves us and cares for us, and always has our best interest in mind. So culture is striving to program the way we think. We have to, gu- you have to guard your eyes and your ears, okay? So what we see and hear will affect your heart. You know, we have to be reminded, you know, that you know, the eyes are the window to the heart. Anything that allows things to come into us, okay? When, so what we see, what we lay before our eyes, when I say what we hear, uh, people that were around, the conversations that they're saying, or the mu- t- type of music we listen to, all of those things will influence us in what we believe to be true. Now, some of you would maybe argue with me and say, oh, well, these, you know, these songs, they, you know, they don't, I just like the beat. I was young and dumb and didn't know what the words were saying. I did like the beat, but the song was programming something into my mind, a specific message that was contrary to the word of God. And it was cursing God and glorifying the devil. But through a compromising culture, hey, everybody's listening to it. It's on the top 10. Let's jam it out. Let's listen to it. Let's program the way I think. And then, you're, then you deal with sin or something in regards to what that song talks about. And you almost rationalize or justify and say, well, that's not that bad. Where initially, you would have never thought like that, but what you listen to program the way you think, and the way you think re- results in how you act, and then how you act causes you to to live a life of, of bad decisions, and then those bad decisions have consequences, and you're like, Lord, why did you let me get to this point in my life? Because you didn't guard your eyes, and you didn't guard your ears, and it contaminated your mind, and, that my, and your mind... You know, out of the abundance of your heart you contaminated it, and out of the wickedness of your heart came all these motives of darkness and you yielded to them, and that sin came out because you didn't guard your life. Preaching to somebody this morning. You have to be in control of what you lay before your eyes and what you hear. First Corinthians 15, 33 through 34, starting in verse 33, it says, do not be misled. Bad company ruins good character. Verse 34: Come back to your senses as you ought, and stop sinning, for there are some of you who are ignorant of God. Now I'm not pointing fingers at you this morning, but I want you to judge your own heart. Are there areas in our life where we're being ignorant and we've and we've allowed uh, cultural compromises in our life, where we've justified it, saying it's not that bad, it's not that big of a deal. We have to realize that not everyone makes statements grounded and supported by a biblical model. You know, and that's why the danger is, you know, people, you know, which I hope that we're a church that thinks before we believe something, but you can't believe everything that is said. If you see it on Facebook, don't don't base that as absolute truths. Well, I read this the other day, and man, it said this and this and this. Can you believe that? I was like, what are you talking? Have you read the Bible? It completely contradicts what they're saying, and this is like ignorant thought. Oh, but it said it, so man, it has to be true. What are you doing? And you just want to like, you're taking the bait. You're jumping right in with a compromising culture that's going to believe every wind of doctrine, that's believing all of this, this, this crazy talk. 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4. You guys listen to this see if you think we're here yet starting in verse 3 it says for a time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine instead to suit their own desires they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear verse 4 it says they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths they will turn aside to phony baloney doctrines, things that are contrary to the word of God, things that justify their actions. And uh, there's, there, there is a huge battle right now against a biblical worldview and a compromising culture. Give me grace. Uh, You know, you hear people, you know, same-sex marriages or, you know, attraction to the same sex, different things like that. And the statement is, well, I can't control who I love. And that's the justification. Well, maybe God, God doesn't make mistakes, right? God built me this way. So how can you tell me not to be like this if this is how God built me? Sounds almost like they have a stance, but that's not biblical. He says, male and female, I created them. He created a specific order, and man has begun to compromise it because the lust of their heart, a distorted view of what they think. But we've gotten to a place in culture where everything is acceptable. I can right now say, well, I guess I'll become a female now. In my mind, it makes no, I don't understand it, but I could. And if you judge me, if you say anything, you can't say that. I'm going to take you to court and I'm going to sue you because that's, that's what I'm going to be today. Blows my mind, the, the place that we've gotten to as far as justification. I've heard of parents saying, well, I'm not going to call my child a, a girl or a boy. I'm going to let them decide later in life. <laughs> oh, well, I'll tell you one way to figure out if you're a girl or a boy. When you come out, you got A or you got B. And that's it. As God created it, so be it. Don't try to change it and distort it and and change something beautiful into destruction. Just because we have tendencies doesn't mean that we follow them. There's things that I struggle with, doesn't mean that that's who I am or that's, I just, I I can't help it. I'm just going to sin. Just because we battle things doesn't mean that's who we are. Did you hear that? Just because we battle those tendencies doesn't mean that's how God created me. But he wants today, today in your heart to break free and to say, this is how I created you, with a purpose and a plan. In your mother's womb, I had a plan for you. And I don't make mistakes. Because that's another thing. Well, maybe God just messed up with me. Not the God I serve. But from a compromising culture, I can justify that because god makes mistakes therefore i can do what i want cuz god messed it up and therefore i'm okay. And if that's how god made me, he won't send me to hell for it. When you get to heaven, you're going to have those big eyes. Just like that toy my daughter had. Oh, was i wrong? Because of compromising culture. We'll put up with what we want to hear. We'll turn our ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Uh about, you know, that that, passage about bad company corrects, uh, you know, ruins good character. I remember when I was younger, a curse word came out, and my mom was hot, I mean, hot, hot, she gets, you know, why are you cussing? Well, it, and I told her, I said, it just slipped out. Oh, she was mad still. She didn't believe that. She wasn't taking it. She says, well, if it just slipped out, you must be cussing all the time and it just came out and you couldn't She just hammered me, being the loving mom she is. And I said, I don't cuss all the time. I said, I can start right now because you're really making me mad. But I had surrounded myself by people that cussed all the time. And what I began to hear came out of my mouth. I still didn't cuss all the time, mom. Just saying... But because of the worldly influence around me, and that's all I heard, it came out of my mouth. Almost uncontrollably. So the only way to change those those habits or those things that come out of us, we have to remove ourselves from the influence of these things that, that are laid before my eyes or are penetrating my ears. Because what I hear and what I see programs the way I think and will in return cause my habits and behaviors to follow suit. It will corrupt good character. Man, I can't hang out with them guys no more. Some of you saying this morning, maybe not. What does the word say? Be in the world, but not of it. Doesn't mean that we can't influence those, but you got to be real, real careful who you hang around with and who you associate with because it's hard enough to to live this life in a Christ-centered worldview as it is, much less being saturated by those who influence us negatively. Proverbs 13, 20, it says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. If you want to be wise, hang out with those who are wise, not ignorant, okay? You know, I've often said, you know, uh, submit to those or, or hang out with those people that you want to be like. You know, and then we look at it, you know, when we're young or we had different relationships, like some of the people we hung out with, like, why did I hang out with them? They were, you know, just toxic to me, you know, just like, If we came like them, we began to talk the same. We thought all the same inappropriate jokes were fun. You know, it was just, you know, that just blending together each other and that, you know, the habits and our thought, it just, man, we were connected, you know, but it was, it it really covered the second half of that page. The companion of fools will suffer harm. But if you want to be wise, hang out with those guys who are wise. Okay. We begin to adopt world worldly culture by small compromises so just be aware of that it's not something that all of a sudden we decide to make this huge rational decision it is small compromises that get us to this place of where these there there's huge doctrine flaws it's like ah you know statements like this well it's not that bad ever said that some of you none of you i have how about Um, it's just the world we live in. Been there, said that? Man, are y'all lying or you just ain't raising your hands? They're like, I've said all of them so far, but I ain't saying nothing. I don't like this message that much. You know, uh, the statement, I can't do anything about it. It's just how the world is. All of these justifications that give us an excuse of compromise. But should I be saying, hey, I'm I'm in this world, but I'm not of it. I refuse to associate. I'm going to remove myself from that. Maybe your wife wants to go see a movie, and you say, man, baby, that, that's not a good movie for me to watch. All right? right? got to guard my eyes. You know, I don't, you know, we have to be very, very intentional. Now, don't use that as an excuse if it's a movie she really, really wants to see, and it's a good movie to get out of a chick flick. Okay? I've been to my chick flicks. Then I take Becky to my manly movies, too. She hates it, but, but it's a, that's a type of compromise I'm willing to live with, right? So we make those types of statements. It's not that bad. It's just the world we live in. We begin to support this compromising culture rather than supporting God's high standard. We have to apply discipline and allow the word of God to be, an, to be ever before us and never compromise God's standard. So the first attack is of cultural compromise, and that programs the way we think, okay? The second one, battle for our attention. So this one, I'm going to talk about social media, okay? So social media is an attack on our families that consumes our time and causes us to adapt to the world's perspective subtly. It's in small increments, just like I said earlier. Sometimes we don't even realize it. So social media is not a place to figure out what you believe in absolute truths, same thing I said earlier, we can't, you know, Facebook, man, it's like, oh, man, I didn't know this was going on and this was true, you know, and uh, and then sometimes you'll hit the comments section, I'm talking about, say, like, what are all these people are saying about it, man, and you get to Rabbit Trail City, you got people, all kinds of opinions come out, especially if it's a, you know, kind of a, a topic that people are very opinionated at. Now, there has been sometimes, and I'm not going to say any names or specifically, but I've seen sometimes church people step up and hammer people according to the word of God. And I'm just like, yes, keep it coming because I can't do that. And I'm not going to do that as the pastor of this church. You'll see it. You never see me rant and rave on a Facebook post. Too smart for that. Come back and bite me later. Hey, pastor, hey, look right here. I edited your post, but look what you said right here. Keep my paper trail clean, right? So it's attack on our families that consumes our time. Proverbs two, one through five. Go ahead and turn to that if you got your word. I'm gonna read uh, verses one through five. So I think this, you know, don't get lost in the initial saying, "My son," but just really hear this as God's heart towards you. Okay. Proverbs two, one through five. In verse one, it says, "My son, or my daughter." however you want it, however this applies to you. If you accept my words and store my commands within you, verse two, turning your, our ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. And, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, verse five, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Okay, so that passage starts, what does it start with? It says, if you accept my words, how do we receive words that, that, that this is talking about? How do, how do we download or how do we learn any of this? There's only two ways. We read it, which is what? Laid before my eyes, or what are, you, what are you hearing with your ears right now coming out of my mouth? through your eyes and your ears. If you turn, if you listen, if you turn your eyes towards, if you meditate, if you hear my instructions, right, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find the knowledge of God. We have to understand that social media will battle for your time and the motives of your heart. Social media is a great tool, but it can cause you to get sucked into an artificial relationship that social media portrays. Okay, we have to understand that the number of friends that you have on Facebook does not determine your social status. Well, I got 500 friends. Man, let's say you had an emergency right now. How many of them 500 friends are going to show up? Very few, right? You You know, we can't measure our social status by the number of friends that we have on those apps on our phone and things like that, right? God wants you spending time with people Hebrews 10, 25, it says, let us not give up meeting together as some of you are in a habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as the day approaches. Meet together. It doesn't say, hey, I'm on a group chat. We're meeting together. Hey, I checked in with with Lonnie and Blackie this week. You know, I just said, hey, what's up, brother? Thumbs up, emoji. I'm good. Man, no, but I shook his hand. I hugged his neck, man. We we built God wants us tangibly having relationship with flesh on. What does that mean? Hugs, handshakes, close proximity. He wants us having real relationships, not the false relationships that social media really portrays. So we got to be reminded as parents, we have to chill our children from the addictive risks and dangers of technology and social media. Did you guys hear that? Let me read that one more time. As parents, we have to shield our children from the addictive risks and the dangers of technology and social media. So just for theory's sake or just to evaluate if if any of us have any issues battling for our attention in the realm of, of social media, this next week, now don't tell me next week what the number count was, but next week through this next week, count how many times you pick up your phone to check Facebook, Instagram, or to play a game on your phone. Some of us don't realize that we're addicted to our phones. It does not leave our side. You know, do you often panic when you can't find your phone, you think you've lost your phone, not because of the value of it, but because you don't have it with you? You know, I have no clue where my phone is right now, so if it's back there or wherever, hopefully you all find it but I'm okay, I'm not freaking out right now, right? But are we panicked? You know, there is, a, there is a, 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 a statistic that says people are in panic when they can't find their phone or they don't have their phone because of the addiction in their life to, to it. It's like their third leg, man. It is just, it is attached to them. It goes everywhere, and, and I do it too, right? What do we do? Keys, phone, wallet, I'm golden, but if I don't have one, you know, it's my way. Well, I, can't, I can't leave the house without my phone. And I think about a long time ago, I didn't have a phone. You know, which my, my generation, it wasn't that long that I didn't have a phone. We had the big, you know, Nokia, you know, the first one, you know, with the snake game on it. And that's all you could get. You know, when the technology just started advancing, where, you know, you could be in constant communication at any time. But we survived without technology before. The world, the society as a whole says, you cannot live without technology because we've been so dependent on it, but is dependence the same as addiction? Answer that question for yourself, okay? So just to evaluate it, how many times this next week did you pick up your phone, check Facebook, play a game, check Instagram? How much time did you waste on your electronic device through the, through the avenue of Social media. Okay? How does this time spent on your phone compare with the time that you're spending meditating on God's Word or worshiping in your homes? I know a lot of us don't want to answer that question. Right? We're spending a lot more time on our phones than we are in the presence of God or reading His Word. There was an article published in uh, 2017. Uh, It talked about how the average American consumed at least five hours a day on their mobile devices. And another study said that mobile apps were increasing at a whopping 69% year after year. They were going up drastically where apps and being plugged into our phones went to astronomical numbers. You know, consider how many hours a day uh, your budding human mind will spend staring at a screen. Is it worth putting, it's worth putting serious thought you know, into how much I'm doing that. And then then the next question is, at what age is it appropriate to give my child a phone? I'm glad all the little kids are not in here because they would not like this statement I'm about to make because I can guarantee you every single one of them, if they don't have a phone yet, they want one. I bet even Grace, Dad, I need a phone. Grace, you don't need a phone. don't even know the numbers yet to unlock the phone, right? You know, so according to the latest research, on average, a child gets his or her first smartphone at the age of 10 years old. You know, the same study showed that by by age 12, that 50% of children had a social media account, primarily Facebook or Instagram. Okay, so you, you guys all know Bill Gates. So Bill Gates, this was his standard for his family. He said that, uh, in a review that they did with him, he says, "I did not let my children get their own phone until they were 14 years old." Some of you like, "Oh man, that's what if I can't get a hold of my kid 14?" So right now, his kids, which are now 20, 17, and 14, weren't allowed to have their smartphones until they were in high school age. Right. So the dangers and the addictive habits that a child can form are a bigger risk than not being able to contact my child 24-7. But we justify that, right? They need to to be able to get a hold of me, right? So here's some of my thought processes. Don't get mad at me. I'm just trying to wrap my mind around it because I'm going to have to make these decisions in the next few years. Samuel is eight. He's turning nine this year. He doesn't have a phone, but he swears my phone is his phone. You know, so the first thing I say, for the most part, my kids are always with me anyway. Or if the kids are in school, the principal, the the school can always call me just like we used to in the old days. They have my number, right? So we survived without phones on our hips during during our generation. I'm sure the next generation can do it also. But you have to understand, this is contrary to what culture and the technology world is saying they want to sell every every you your wife and your kids a phone because it's going to make them filthy rich and they don't care of the cost of your children they don't care the casualty if your child is a casualty to being exposed to something prematurely and the consequences that it'll have on their life so just because most kids have phones doesn't mean that your child is entitled to one as soon as he or she wants one so if your child has a phone please guard your child from what they can see and play most addictions start out of innocence and the enemy of this world will use that to his advantage every single time well my son wouldn't do anything with it huh everybody knows what google's for nowadays right what is type in your word and something's going to come up right Super dangerous. You know, if, you, know you you got to realize what you are giving your child when you give them a smartphone device, right? So we as parents need to be the ones our children come to for answers, not Google. If there's anything my son asks me, I can, ask, I can answer it for him. He doesn't need a smartphone to enlarge his mind, to, to search all the depths of this world at the ripe age of eight, unsupervised because I know even when you type things in innocently and if you accidentally click on the images, like you could talk about type in suitcases. Go to the images and just scroll down. I can almost guarantee you there's still gonna be an inappropriate image somewhere on there. Will your child take the bait? I hope not. But if you don't expose them to that, you don't have to worry about it, right? There are risks. Social media can be a danger to adults and children by wasting all our time, and we must not allow addictive patterns to form. Do you ever suffer with help? I can't put down my phone. You know, if it's you, I give my wife a hard time, man. It's like, what are you doing? Nothing? (laughs) Get off the phone. I've been driving for an hour. I'm like, so tired. What are you doing over there? Play my game, man. Level thousand two hundred something or whatever, man. Crazy, you know. Like, it's, gotta keep winning. Gotta keep beating it, you know. Like, just we're just so, you know. And I do it too, man. You know, my kids will be running around playing. I'm sitting there messing with my phone. Why don't I put it up and love on my children? So distracted. I've seen dinner tables surrounded with with parents and kids, and everybody has their technology device. Usually, it's Becky and I with that's the issue because my kids don't have phones. They're eating across from me. I'm like, oh crap, you know. Better put it up, man. This is a bad example for my children <laughs> because if I do it, it justifies them being able to do it if they ever do have a phone. So be super, super disciplined with that, okay? So battle for our time, social media. The third thing, battle for our homes. So I'm gonna talk about the realm of entertainment. So when people have a housewarming party, like for the first time, when you purchase your home, you have a housewarming party, you invite people over, celebrate the new home. It's a wonderful thing to own your home. And it's super exciting to invite people over, right? If you had a housewarming party, it's just, man, you just want to celebrate. Look, I finally got my house. If you're still renting and you're hoping to buy a home, you'll get there one day, I promise. I fought it for years. Throwing all this rent money away, I could already bought a house and, you know, it'll come, but then will come all the maintenance and the repair and the taxes and the insurance. So just count the cost, right? But it's always super exciting to finally get your home. You know, I know the first thing I did when I purchased my home, I thanked God for it. To God, thank you for my home, you know, my little mansion of paradise, three three bedroom, one bath, with three kids. It feels very small now, right? You know, I thank the Lord for it, and then He led me to dedicate my home to Him. So, so in in let me let me share this one passage with you, Matthew 6, 22 through twenty three. So this is going to kind of be some of the basis for this third point: a battle for our home. Verse twenty-two it says, "The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light." Verse twenty-three, but if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If if then the light within you is dark, how great is that darkness? So what is this passage saying? Guard your eyes. Guard your eyes. Guard your eyes. Right. So when when Becky and I just wanted to throw that, you know, so we're thinking about that passage as I continue with this story. So Becky and I just we really felt like, hey, we need to go around our home. We need to pray over our home. Anointing oil, I mean, I talk about all the time, you know, anointing oil, it really just symbolizes the presence of God. So we got an oil and we put it on our doorpost, all that stuff. We said, God, this home is yours. You know, we invite your Holy Spirit here. Pray that you would just keep the evil spirits out of here, that this would be a place of peace. And then as we were doing that, God took it to a whole nother level. And he said, what about the devices in your home that are the windows to the world? We're talking about Lord, but I knew what he was talking about. He was talking about my TV. He was talking about my computer. He was talking about the radio. All of these things that had the potential to contaminate my home. And view all of these things that might not be good for a godly, sanctified home, right? Right? You know, so we went and, you know, now I didn't just like get the oil and throw it on my TV. Just a little bit on the top and said, Lord, I pray that anything that comes across this screen would honor you. That my home would be a home of peace and purity and honor. Same thing with the computer, same thing with the radio. Lord, that the music that would come out of this, and we, we don't listen to much music for me is not an issue. We always have KSBJ or I'll Bluetooth my phone. I mean, technology's great. I can listen to any album I want, you know, so the music thing is not a bad thing. But man, those TVs, when you're just flipping through, you'll come across stuff that's inappropriate. You know, there's times that my kids are watching something or come across something and they say a word that I know they shouldn't hear and I'm like, did they pick up on it or they just cruise by? No, oh, Lord, wipe it. You know, it, it just expo- exposes us to things of the world, right? They're blessings, but you know, they, they have their dangers also, right? So we prayed over our electronic devices, you know, that connected us to the outside world. We asked God to protect our eyes and our ears, not only for ourselves, but for our children. You know, it's different for, uh, it should be different for us as adults as far as control and, and understanding the risks. But to expose our children to those things at a young age, it could be catastrophic. Because the enemy will use those, the innocence, to just cause all kinds of destruction in their life, Right. So televisions, computers, iPads, that's a big one, right? You put an iPad in every room, you don't even need a TV anymore. iPads, gaming consoles, what game, video games, different things like that. Brett, you know what I'm talking about? okay? Audio devices, you know, the things that, uh I'm not a gamer. I wish I had enough time to be a gamer. Maybe when I retire and I'm an old man, I not have time to game anymore. All my kids, right? So... You know, the summary of this is we have to be careful and we have to guard our eyes from what they see and what our ears hear. Uh, Proverbs four twenty three. you guys have all heard it. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows out of it. How we guard our heart, we guard our eyes, we guard our ears. We guard our heart by guard, guarding our thoughts. We guard our th- thoughts by what we see and what we hear. I got a quick little video clip for you guys to really illustrate in an extreme kind of way What should happen when there are things in our home that aren't right and taking it to the level of really being serious about guarding our home from entertainment? Rudolph. Caleb, you doing okay today? It may seem rather extreme. But how serious? Worry about Gardner homes. But I paid for that computer lord. But I bought the most expensive TV. But at what cost? Windows to your home. Strategic plans of the enemy to destroy your life. Have, we have to guard our homes. Proverbs 15, 3. It says, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. So what we look at, what we listen to, what we, when we allow certain things in our home, if Jesus was sitting on the couch right next to you, and if we believe the passage that I just read to be true, he is. He says that his eyes are everywhere. We're not alone. We're not in a, it's hidden from God. But every motive is exposed, and he sees it. For our homes to be a place of refuge and peace, we have to guard our homes by being intentional. Some of the recommendations, real quick, for children. It's recommended for children under the age of two to have zero sedentary screen time. This includes video games or TV exposure. Two or under, zero screen time. Well, that's the best babysitter I got. I'm just telling you what all the doctors recommend for the sake of their well-being and the their mind growing and making sure that it, it has the capacity to think and to process all of these things. And then it says ages two to four should have no more than one hour each day. That's crazy, right? An hour, that's it. Come on, man. It's not even a whole movie. We have to be careful. We have to be intentional. We have to be responsible parents. And they get older, they grow quick. You know, it's not a lifelong sentence of where, oh, I got to babysit my kid. No, it's my responsibility as a father, as a mother. It's not babysitting if it's your own kid. I tell my wife that when she leaves. I'm like, I got to babysit my kids. Because that's what I, it's like all of a sudden mom's gone. Man, it's hard work, right? Got to guard them. You know, if I desire for my home to be a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit and for the Holy Spirit to be welcome in my home, I must fill my home with things that please him and not grieve him. I need to have worship music playing. I need to have good, clean, wholesome entertainment. I need to have things that build build us up rather than tearing us down. So I'm going to close with this. It's our responsibility to guard our homes. What we let in, what we have on the TV, we have to control that. Ask God, what are the social attacks that are affecting my thoughts? What are the social attacks that are are fighting for my attention? What are the things that are endangering my home? Don't be naive, don't be ignorant. Don't just say, ah, it'll be okay, I survived it. Be intentional, be proactive. Just because you were exposed to something and got through and you were okay with it doesn't mean we need to allow our children to be exposed to the same thing and them fight the same fight we did. Guard their hearts because they don't know how at this point. God will give us wisdom and guidance in all of those things. You know, what is endangering my home? I started, fathers, by just letting you know that you are the keepers of your home. God has given you that place of authority, whether you like it or not. You know, you've heard the statement, man up. That's what God demands of you. Don't let your, I mean, don't allow your wife to do something you're not doing. Because I know there's times that the wives might have to step up because we're passive or we're just tired or we're just wore out or we've worked long hours and we're not fathering in the way we should. We have to man up. We have to be godly fathers. We got we to get some energy when we get home because we have to manage our home. We have to get down on our knees and hug our children. We need to discipline even when we don't want to. Because it's what God demands of us. But, husbands, you are, fathers, you are the keeper of your homes. Husbands, if you've, fathers, if you've never gotten with your wife and established guidelines and you've got a game plan, if you've never gotten a game plan to, to protect yourself from this social attack, get on the same page. If you don't know what to do, start by praying together. Say, God, help us not be ignorant. Lord, if there's things that I'm addicted to and because I can't get rid of them, my kids are exposed to them. Lord, help me deal with that. And Father God will show us how to do that. Amen. Get a game plan for the social attack that's raging for your heart. I'm going to close with this one scripture. It's in Genesis eighteen eight. 18 through 19. And uh I was really battling, Lord, is this does this make sense? Is this something I should share to close with, but I feel that this is really a prophetic word for every father here this morning. You know, it's talking in regards to Abraham, but when I say the name Abraham, put your name in there and say, you know, Lonnie, Robert, you know, you say put your name in that blank and know that this is what God is 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 equipping you and calling you to do. Genesis 18, 18 through 19. He says, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. And all the nations on the earth will be blessed through him. And he says this to each of you fathers this morning. Verse 19, for I have chosen you so that you will direct your children and your household. And after him, And the household after him will keep the word of the Lord. They will keep the way of the Lord. So what does that mean? Man, as I teach my children, as I mold my children, my children's children will grow up in a model that has been established from me going forward. And the Lord will do what he promised. What has he promised? You got to go all through his word and look at all of it. So fathers, you have what it takes. You can do it. Families, we gotta guard our our homes, our lives against compromising culture, against social media, and against the battle for our home in the entertainment realm. This social attack's real. It's not just gonna go away. It's gonna get worse. You know, I don't know if schools at some point will all be technology based and we won't ever leave the house. I have no clue log into your computer and you're in school. You know, I don't know what the technology is gonna look like, but there are addictive habits and patterns and things that form. Don't be a casualty of them. This is an attack on your family. So when we talk about faith and family, the social attack is real. Let's not be naive to it, amen?